Hi, this is Moira Murphy from Oriad, and you are listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. Virginia. Wow. Hi, Matt. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Hi. Can you- How are you guys? You doing okay? Can you hear me? Yeah, you're loud yes. and clear, and we're, we're good okay, to great. go. So <laughs> thanks for joining me. Hi. I know we finally got it worked out, and that's great. Yeah, this is great. So before <laughs> we even get – no problem. Before we even get started, though, how in the world did I not know about you guys? I had no clue until I got this from Sonia, and then I'm blown away by it. Oh, thank you. So that's my lead-in, because I've been listening to you, especially Blood – uh, with the video and everything it's just so amazing <laughs> thank you yeah i mean that's that's the kind of reaction we want to get um is yeah how did where where have you been this whole time we've been here yeah. <laughs> so for those not familiar because uh, obviously it's probably others just like me can you give us the two sentence elevator pitch Sure. Oh man, Matt's gonna laugh because that's that's a challenge for me to be succinct. Um, <laughs> I'll turn a timer for so you. So the two minute pitch. Basically, we started in Denver as a pretty traditional symphonic metal band, and over time, we've kind of developed our sound and rolled in different influences that we all kind of have artistically and our different artistic pasts into this amalgamation of symphonic metal and doom metal and progressive metal elements, um, pure operatic elements, jazz elements into this Oread project that we really love sharing um, because we think it's very unique and because we have such a focus on both the lyrics and the voice and the instrumentation that we like to bring in. I would say even the, the theme and the presentation of it as well. Correct. Yes, totally. Yeah. Um, interdisciplinary art, uh, at least for me, is is really, really important. Bringing in different mediums together um, instead of relying just on one because people, they react to art differently. They imbibe art differently. And I feel like especially we are so splintered by social media, we're so splintered by the digital age, that being able to explore themes and explore art in different, different ways, different pathways is just, it's more enriching and it reaches more people. Okay. So if we're going to stay along those lines, then is there something it's super theatrical, I think super personal and all of that introspective even, is there something you want your fans to take away from like a message? Hmm, a message. Or a takeaway or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. Um, and, and Matt, you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. I, I would say there's not necessarily a call to action, but there is definitely a an exhortation to meditate more on your your own place in the universe and your own your own thought of your life cycle, how your mortality relates to the greater world around you because so much of the music comes from a place of grief whether or not that is grief of losing people things in your life or grief of losing parts of yourself as you develop but heavy music i think more than any other genre is also quite cathartic right 
Yes, <laughs> very much so. How much of yourselves do you put into these records? And has there ever been a point where you thought it was too much? You know, maybe I'm too vulnerable now, or I can't say that. Oh, that's a good question. Um, what do you think, Matt? I'm really curious as your opinion on this, to be honest. I mean, I, I think for you, it's a lot. <clears throat> um, I Like, this project really is so much <clears throat> of, like, you know, it's like, it's like so much of your passion and like your personality. Um, and like, at, at, at sometimes it's like really difficult to not just feel like an accessory to that because, oh. you know, like, no, I mean, I, and I mean that in like the best possible way, because like you literally pour your entire heart into this project. Um, <clears throat> you know, like there's, there's so many times where we're like working on something and we're collaborating and you're going, oh, is this, you know, am I, am I doing too much? Am I being too personal? Am I like putting too much of myself on the table? And like, you know, that dynamic that we have, even where it's like, yes, I think you are. Or, no, I think that this is a really good direction. Like that's part of what makes what we have achieved up to this point, what it is and like has gotten us to this point. So, I mean, I think, I think for you in particular, like, you know, like, reading the lyrics and like hearing the emotion and the music that is coming out of you is really like emblematic of, of the version of yourself that you are willing to put out there. And I, I only hope to be able to do it justice, like through my own playing and then like through my own uh, on stage persona, I guess, um, you know, and I think that that's kind of like the way that I relate to the music and the way that I relate to uh, the, the, vulnerability and like the emotion that you were bringing to this art cool yeah yeah what he said uh, <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah you know i'm still pretty much a i'm not an open book type of person so if there is a lot of emotion in the song it's still filtered heavily through metaphor or heavily through myth you know so i'm not being like and I was like, oh, this is about this person, or is this is about this thing happening to me? It's right. more of a uh, amalgamation of these experiences, but it is extremely cathartic for me to be able to do that and also to find, because I know a couple of times we've talked about, oh, there's a theme in the song and all of us writing it could relate to it. And so I hope at least that for you guys, it's cathartic too. Like for, you know, we were talking about insomnia, right? A slice of time and, you know, insomnia and anxiety. And a lot of us, when we were writing that song, we're talking about, you know, those topics, right? right? And being able to infuse that sort of feeling into it. So, you know, I feel that there are certain songs where I feel like it's more of a group emotion. And then definitely with the lyrics coming from me, that there is a lot of that in it. Um, uh, coming from an operatic theatrical background, there's never too much, right. but I still have my self editing where I'm like, oh, you, you know, um, versus, you know, when you're, when you're learning, expression and acting uh, a lot of master classes or acting classes they'll tell you the minute you feel silly you're just enough right in terms of your your how you're putting yourself out there and but it doesn't mean it gets easier you know especially if something's really close you know there are specific songs you know you mentioned blood um blood in particular does have some very very sharp corners for me and it was one of the first songs I started writing years ago when I decided to write music in this genre. So it is a big 
cathartic moment for me and just getting it out there getting it out there but it's nice because it's still very shrouded you know right. it's still very um what's the word? i can't think of the right word where i was going with this but it's an example of a song that is very much like i was not afraid i was going too far right with it so what is this going to look like live because this has got to be super thematic right yeah um well <laughs> i'm really interested also to what matt's opinion of this is and if he thought i was insane the first time <laughs> we did some of this stuff so there is a lot of dance elements in ritual element to what we do live and we were actually just talking like 10 minutes ago or something <laughs> about um our live set list for our little mini tour coming up in september we put these like found sounds and poetry and briefly composed interstitials between songs mm -hmm. because i really want soundscape to be part of that so instead of being like here's a song about blah 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 we play it just letting it happen and right. you know it was actually matt's idea to say hey do you found sound and so I found some cool things where people were like reciting these old poems and stuff like that, famous actors, and, and using that to create like a soundscape between each song and the have dance be a big part of that. Move, look at me, I'm doing this with my head. <laughs> <laughs> movement being a huge, huge part of that. Um, because if we're, we're hitting on the concept of ritual and hitting on the concept of music being a religious experience of some sort, you look back every tradition through you know pre-written tradition movement music and dance were inextricably you know inextricably connected in terms of having that experience mm -hmm. um so i'm working on that set list now for the fall and i'll be working on like new choreography i probably have a this is an interesting fun fact i probably have a rotator cuff tear oh. um i get an mri tomorrow to find out but this arm i can't really move so i'm going to have to start thinking very creatively about how to kind of work around that yeah <laughs> on stage <laughs> because if i have if it really is a tear i mean it's going to be many many months until yeah. i can do anything um but that need to imbue that movement is definitely something that the songs called for it it wasn't something i went to immediately the songs just kind of it kind of happened and i just don't i i'm really honestly curious matt what you thought about that at first like uh do you mean like the 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 dance that you're talking about is well all of the all of the dance and kind of making sure that the songs fit together in terms of like a ritual with a soundscape instead of just like a set list yeah it, i mean okay so like I, my thought is kind of like less about the dance thing but more just like you know i love this idea of like when you go to see a performance like a like live music and it's like very intentionally thought out you know and like i don't know I, like you can appreciate live music for all kinds of different reasons and like yeah. i've been to plenty of shows where it's just like you know the band's playing one song after another and they like don't do any theatrical stuff and like that has power in and of itself that oh, i yeah. appreciate um I just think, like, in regards to this project and, like, you know, the, the creative vision that we have set out before us, I think that it's really crucial to have some sort of, like, uh, 
you know, an element that kind of connects things where it's like, you know, you are not just seeing a band play a bunch of songs, but you are truly like seeing a cohesive, you know, unit of, of sound and like visuals and stuff so like well that. Well thought out. Yeah. And that, that was kind of the whole point is like, you know, I think that this music is, um, it's like spooky and it's creepy and it's very emotional. And I think that it really serves that to, to have something, you know, in the moments where the, the guitars aren't firing or like, you know, we're not actually like blasting through a song where it's like, it, it continues to, to keep the mood elevated or like to even further escalate, like whatever feelings we're trying to elicit right. from our audience. Um, <clears throat> you know, like, uh, 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 apart from the the sounds that are on the record that are actually broody and and haunting and creepy there's other stuff that we have kind of like in our mm -hmm. our sample library that also can hopefully um you know drive feelings of like uneasiness or like fear or you know just like a certain certain like sense of in introspection from the people who are listening this they're like oh like they are creating a, a a vibe, you know, to to yeah. use the parlance of our times, you know, and uh, <laughs> you know, and like everything has everything is connected, and everything is very just like targeted at a certain emotional response. Fair enough. All right. So the biggest question I think I have is: you said you've been working on this for for quite a while, many years. How did and you're clearly not in the same geographic location. How did this come about? Okay, so um, let's see, Reader's Digest version <laughs> of this. So I was living in Denver and trying to do both the opera thing and the jazz thing. And the thing about the opera world is it's extremely expensive. There are age limitations to even get to certain opportunities where you're going to be heard to get to the next step, to get an agent. Right. It's, it's very... Um, it excludes a lot of people, especially if you start a little later in life, um, getting your degrees like I did. And um, it was just really discouraging and I wasn't really enjoying any of it anymore. And I was getting to that 30 age limit and I was like, what am I going to do? And uh, I got turned on to really traditional symphonic metal. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I've never heard anything like this before. And I went down a rabbit hole and I was like, I want to do something like that. But I just want to arrange classical pieces with for metal band, which is what Inflamatus was on the EP. Mm -hmm. And so I was at a party with some opera singers one day and the girl's boyfriend had gone to school with like Luca and Matt and a whole bunch of people I knew and people I had done this like weird party gig um, for where it was like top 40 songs and jazz songs and I was singing like Eye of the Tiger and stuff like that um, and said, hey, if you want to do this project, you need to talk to this guy, Luca who's into that stuff and he's a guitarist and we started getting together in like 2017 and I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Because I come from such a different world, a very, very regimented, very academic world. Um, so like the concept of writing songs, it was a big learning experience. You know, and Luca and I wrote a whole bunch of stuff. We had um, some other people. We were doing some like shows, some small shows in Denver. And then as it grew, we realized that we were going a different direction from the drummer we had. So we brought on Matt because I knew Matt from a... What would you call Hallie's band? Like an alt singer songwriter folk rock country 
band. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. So, it was, yeah. It was, yeah. Singer songwriter, acoustic guitar, but you know, like some electronic stuff and like kind of poppy. Um, yeah. 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 So he was playing drums in that band and I was doing backing vocals. So that's how I knew him. And I said, Hey, you want to do this thing? I know you like heavier music. You talked him into it. <laughs> And uh, so we did some shows in Denver, and then we were thinking about tracking recording, and then COVID hit. And COVID kind of, you know, brought a lot of things to a halt, but for us, it inspired us to finish the EP. And then once the EP was done and everything was back in person again, we got together and we were writing new songs, and we realized that we weren't really doing traditional symphonic metal anymore. And so, yeah, so we had a lot of fun writing and we were getting ready to do shows and some stuff happened with my family. And so I moved back to Tennessee where I'm originally from. And uh, but to me, I was like, this project, number one, is like my entire life (laughs) takes up every free second of my time. But also the fact was like I when I released the EP, we met people all over the world online. And those were the people who were interested not the people that were necessarily in a local scene. And so I really dug in hard to to try to encourage and engage an online community of like-minded people and say, hey, let's record this other set of songs. Let's make a full album because we've got it. Why not? Right. Right? And it's been a really, really rewarding experience. Um, And it also feels like then when we can get together and do these live shows, it's, it's a special experience, you know, and we get to curate it. We get to pick what we want to do and we have the recorded material, you know, behind us, you know, you know, you have something to sell, right. You know, all the marketing behind it. Um, But it, one is not exclusive of the other right so we just basically did everything backwards instead of doing like oh we're gonna do a ton of local shows for a long time and then do a recording we did a recording now we're booking and things like that um and i come back to denver every once in a while because i still do some classical gigs so i'm able to line up if like oh i need to be singing with this orchestra right this week i'm going to come the week before that And we're going to do either a bunch of music videos, we're going to book a show, right? Right. And so if I go back to town like three or four times, that's how we've gotten together to be able to do some stuff for now. And as we grow with this album and everything, we'll just kind of see where it goes from here. Um, But it's been... It's been a process that's worked pretty well. I mean, post-COVID, I think a lot of doors have opened where people have realized there's a lot that you can do digitally. There's a lot you can do online. There's a lot you can do with a home studio. I think if COVID sort of, and you may disagree, leveled the playing field as far as artists go across the board because everybody's got to come out of the box from scratch again, right? Yes and no. I would say I think it opened a lot of people's eyes to the possibilities of what they could do who had not thought about it before. Um, But I still think there is still a lot of stratification in the industry that's very, very entrenched. And even though it's changing, the systems of power are just changing names and changing hands. You know, but when it comes to the opportunity to record something or to have an online show or to have a live YouTube session, all of that stuff, I think, is definitely becoming more democratized. Um, I just I feel right now and this is an ongoing conversation of online platforms and the way in which they are um, sharing and disseminating things are now becoming a little less equal. Right. 
over the last six months, I've noticed there have been a lot of changes, a lot of things that moving people towards monetization or demonetization yes. when it should just be about exploring music. It's harder for people to find people. Right. Um, and that's that's a conversation for another day. And it's right. something I'm kind of mired in right now, especially with all the Reddit drama. You know, if you yeah. follow the Reddit drama, people and music communities are leaving Reddit now in droves. What's next? You know, right. um, but I think at the end of the day, the fact that we can have those conversations and have the choice, right. that very much is a level playing field. Fair enough. So I'm going to go back to songwriting for a second and then I'm coming to a close. But when you're writing, this is so thick. We're talking about the thematicness of it, thematicness of it, whatever that word is. Um, are you writing songs for the song's sake? Are you writing songs, how they're going to come across on stage? Like this is a good part for some of that intergenre discipline um no it'd be the former i mean it starts with the poem before anything else okay. so the poem is a the theme it's the mood it's the story whatever it is and then after the poem usually i mean not always um a melody of some sort and then we talk about it and we're like okay what's the mood of this what does it sound like and whatever kind of comes out comes out from that you know that means maybe it's more traditionally symphonic metal maybe it's really sludgy oh you don't even go into it with a you don't even go into it with a a sort of bend in it you know genre bend like i'm gonna start writing metal or i'm gonna start writing you just go into it and see what happens yeah i basically let the shape of the melody i would say like like sometimes sometimes like we have particular goals like you know we want to make this sound like x y and z but that's not really a conversation that we have very often it's more like yeah i would agree that like the the melody and the mood kind of dictate things more than anything else and um what you just said about kind of like you know the the poetry and like the the thematic elements of it i'm trying to like lean on my uh, my music history education right now, and I'm not remembering the word, but there was like a, a, a classical composition technique where it's like, and if you can, if you can remember what I'm talking about, please jump in and make me sound like not an idiot. But there's, there's like a technique where you literally, um, you know, you 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 write using the mood of something to like convey an emotion. Do you remember oh, this tone thing? poems? Tone poem, yeah, exactly. Which yeah. is Strauss, yeah, and I'm obsessed with Strauss. So yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, it it really kind of rung that bell for me that like mm-hmm. we're we're writing metal tone poems basically yes. <laughs> a lot of the time, you know. <laughs> right. And <clears throat> hopefully, other classic music classical music nerds like hear that and and latch on and understand what you know like what's going on here. I totally. was, and I went to a deep, you know, a deeper dive after I listened to Blood. And I, like I said, I didn't know where you've been. I kind of love the, the mixture of the symphonic and the heavy and the opera and that sort of thing, for sure. Hey. I, yeah. I don't know when I'm ever going to get to see you on this side of town. Are you, I don't know if you're on this run coming to the East Coast, but I definitely yeah. would like to check it out one day because I imagine it's super thematic. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, since I have an orchestral gig, we're doing some stuff out in Colorado um, right. for now and just kind of seeing how that run goes. And then if I can convince everyone else out to move near me. <laughs> right. <laughs> then it's, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a 2024 conversation, I think. For Yeah. It's not a hard no, though. We definitely want to get out there and, you know, and play. 
play out yeah. on the East Coast somehow. Yeah. I've been I've been thinking through some options because I have some some contacts like like minded folks that are along the eastern seaboard, either in Appalachia or farther north. Right. Um, that I think we would jive well with or I've talked with them and we just like get along aesthetically and artistically, you right. know. Um, so hopefully because, yeah, the the very theatrical thematic part of it is is really important and it's a big part and it's fun. Oh, yeah. You know? It's very fun. Yeah. I think you touched, I know I said we got to get going here, but I think you touched on something else. The metal community is unlike any other community, I think, in the world, because you just, you know, you just talked about it. They'll help you along the way. And you meet people at shows that, you know, like brothers, you look forward to seeing them show after show or festival after festival. It's crazy. Totally. Yeah. I mean, they're just such good people. And that's what I have to say, like all the genres I've been in or worked in, which has been many, they're just the... The most open-minded like helpful wonderful interesting multivariate people you yes. know when you find out what they do or what they're studying it's fascinating you know and you just become friends with them it's like i i'm supposed to be going on a hike soon with someone i met who lives in south carolina you know and we're gonna meet halfway and go on a hike you know it's right. like awesome <laughs> to be able to meet people in the community like that um right. and i think it's really really special and i think people latch on so much to the gatekeepers mm-hmm. but i think they're the minority i think they're just a very loud minority when it comes to the whole scene yeah i agree matt you have anything else what about you matt <clears throat> i just you know i like being being around this genre and like like playing this music for the last couple of years like you know, I've, I've done a lot of different playing and, and like bouncing around in, in different musical worlds. And, um, I would, I would definitely agree when, you know, we talk about this community and how metal musicians are so welcoming and so eager to like lift each other up. And mm-hmm. it just, especially in like the, the small band scene. I mean, I've, I've, been around denver like grinding in the metal scene just playing you know playing to empty rooms and playing like bar gigs and and you know like people show up people people support you even if you're playing to five people or Mm -hmm. 50 people or 150 people like there's always people that you know they want to hang out they want to buy you a beer um they want to they just like they want to talk they want to know where you're playing next and like we're really lucky to have that. We're really lucky to be able to have that, that, uh, avenue to be able to like continue snowballing this thing and continue doing the work. And just like, it's exciting. It's just exciting to think about where it could lead. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's just, it's very wholesome, I would say. And that's, what's so funny is people don't realize just how wholesome I think the metal world. is. And that's, it's right. Cause you have that total absolute reverse image in your head. Yeah, and I think most people, right? Right, and there was a study that came out recently that said that people who listen to metal tend to be more emotionally stable because they use it as a catharsis in order to to navigate their world, which makes total sense. You know, if you if you're if you're listening to this, you're you're listening to heavy music, so you understand, right? And people who are outside that probably don't understand what that does. You know, I was going to say our youngest fan is seven years old. Really? <laughs> she so, loves it. 
Is one of your shows then it's got to be multi-generational then? You've got oh, well, no, this is a girl. Um, well, she lives out here in Appalachia and mm-hmm. her mom sends me these videos of her like singing along in the car, oh, that's great. like learning the words. It's adorable. It's the cutest thing. That's and she great. like watches the YouTube videos and she's like, oh, it's just so cool. And like, you don't, you don't find it scary? She's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's adorable. Um, that's great. So it's just, it's wholesome and it's open-minded and it's like people, you know, get that they yeah. get that sort of catharsis you know from it which oh I yeah I'll, I'll testify to that for sure yeah totally so if fans want to find you guys can you give us all your socials yes um facebook and instagram it's oriad band um so o-r-y-a-d band um and that's the same for youtube as well so those are the big three um our website is oriad dot band um and we have a lot of stuff on there too Awesome. I encourage everyone to maybe just use uh, blood as the uh, the entry point because that's what got me sucked in. So I encourage you to go out and listen to it. Totally. You'll dig it. But thank yes, you for taking the so time. Thank you so much. Good luck with the music because <laughs> right. I really thank dig you. it. Okay, bye. Thank hey, you. Be so well. Much. Cheers. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniela Clark. I'm Barbara Ann Wild. And we are The Honest AF Show. Our podcast is real, honest conversation with our celebrity friends and pros. Covering our anything but average rock and roll lifestyles. All while tackling the hell that is aging and the battle of beauty. Oh yeah, nothing is off the table. The Honest AF Show is available wherever you get your podcasts.